My name's Phil Bates. My great pleasure to be here with you until four o'clock. But as we said, until half past one, it's David Peterson from Walls End Nursery to answer all of your gardening questions on 49216216. That's Walls End Community Nursery. Welcome into the studio for another Monday, David. Thank you, Phil, and good afternoon, everyone. And it is great. I mean, what what a oh. tremendous weekend, Phil. Could have done with a bit of rain yes, myself. Yes, But um, uh, I notice maybe tomorrow, chance of light okay. showers in the morning, it says here on the screen. All right. So we'll keep our fingers okay. crossed there. But in the meantime, I'm... I'm, I'm managing okay yes. with the watering system and plenty of mulch, of course. Yes, too. yes. Yeah, I imagine lots of people coming into the nursery. Uh, it was very busy, very busy indeed. Yes. Yeah. So it's. I mean, look, it's a great, it's a great opportunity to actually get out this sort of weather and get all those jobs. And I know I'm really, really behind with my jobs because I <laughs> just keep doing other things and not doing things that I should be doing. But. Um, It'll all get done eventually. We might get you to explain that a bit later (laughs) on, Dave. (laughs) Oh, excuse me. Yeah, well, as we said, plenty of things happening in the garden. And uh, if you need a little bit of advice or a lot of advice even, David's here exactly for that. 49216216 is the number. Lots of lines free at the moment. I'd encourage you to get on on the phone straight away and give us a call or jot it down because you might not think of anything at the moment. But before half past one, you're almost bound to think of something you need to check out with David. So David, you getting all excited about your elephant riding? I am, up Phil, yes. You, I don't suppose that's something we can, you can practice. Can no, you? no, I don't think so, no. <laughs> now that's actually one of the highlights, I think, of the um, the tour. Oh, no, besides, of course, the festival. But yeah, um, yeah I, I'm looking forward to that elephant ride. I'm not too sure about the patting tigers. Thing, <laughs> then, yeah. I've actually I've, spoken to people that have done that and it's, it's, it's very... Um, uh, emotional because ah. you don't know what to expect. So, um, right, sitting next to this these large tigers. But yes, that's okay. all very exciting. We get a full report when you get yeah, back from your, your trip to Thailand. Yes. Okay, well, David, as we said, uh, you've brought some wonderful things I along have. to give away. How about you run through that right. for us? And remember, uh, people uh, are chosen from amongst our list of callers today, and. They need to be listening at the end of the they show. They certainly do, because yep. once again, last week's winner obviously wasn't listening, ah. because another prize went um, beckoning, so well. so there you go. But the plant look today, the plant actually oh, today that I have in actually is uh, one of the plants of the year for 2012, and it's actually an Iberus or Candy Tuft. Turbo, it's called, and I can see why they give it the name Turbo because these flowers are much, much bigger than the ordinary Iberus or um, Candy Tuft that we're normally used to seeing. So it's a brilliant white, no other colour whatsoever in this flower. It's a good little clumpy ground cover for a nice, good, sunny, well drained position in the garden, and absolutely spectacular when it's out because we've just got one sitting in front of us here, and the whole plant, the whole head of the plant is just covered in white flowers. It's oh, really yeah. brilliant. I'm I'm standing back. I think it may explode into even further flower. Yes. So that's the plan I'm giving away today, as well as I'm giving away, yes, one of these most incredible aprons that does 101 things, uh, as well as a bottle of the uh, of the Weed Blitz. Now, remembering that's the environmentally friendly one that is 
is one that you can just spray onto the weed, doesn't affect the ground, it only kills whatever it comes in contact with, and it is an environmentally friendly one, as I said. As well as that, um, to all those people that have now got their tomatoes in, it's a box of the soluble uh, plant food for the tomatoes, as well as well as some other sachets in that bag as well. Excellent, David. As we said, you need to be listening at the end of the show yes. to see whether you've been chosen. I don't know, Phil, you're using the tomato food, aren't you, at home? I, do I, I don't know what's happened to my tomato, it's just it's it's like the tomato that ate card of south it's it's just getting wow. huger and huger and huger <laughs> i must have used that that yes. stuff on it that yes. some stage but i i've got bees all over my my grevilleas Excellent. A, a few steps away right but none of them seem to be pollinating oh they the, will they'll they will. find when, them. when you're not looking okay i thought maybe i should capture a box full of bees <laughs> and take them over and show them where my tomato Fair. is you'll come in next week covered in bites if you do that so. <laughs> maybe not then <laughs> Okay. Uh, <coughs> excuse wow. me once again. Oh, it's just a little dry throat. Um, let's get stuck okay, into the calls. We, oh, we should talk about um, gardening walkback. Yes. Um, are we doing that today or are we doing We're not doing week? it today. We'll actually be drawing the winner on the 8th, which is the week after next That's week. That's right, because next week is yes, the long, long weekend. weekend. We won't be here. That's right. Uh, of course. Okay. Yes. Righto. And um, you need to give your details to Diane you when, when you ring up on the phone if you'd like to be in that. Okay. To the, to the phones. Let's okay. go. Uh, Louise from Cameron Park has been waiting for a while. Hello, Louise. Oh, hello, David. I've got a couple of thank yous and a couple of questions. Okay. So thank you for the walk back through my garden. It was a great pleasure. And I have cut those, well, I think they're dragon trees down okay. in the back area. all right. And I've planted the tops in and the bottoms are all sprouting out from the bottom. Excellent. Which is really good. And I have done the pelagonians. Very good. And, <laughs> and I, I think I, I so need to buy another um, blackberry, uh, mulberry tree because it's absolutely chockers for its little young age. Yes. And they're all deep blood red now. So Excellent. Really happy with that. That's and my navel orange has got all little flowers, the dwarf one. Okay, see what it does having a, a gardening walk back? Oh, uh, look, it's uh, just look, so good. Were, I, I couldn't, I, I would just tell people it's, uh, uh, it's excellent. I just <laughs> tell people, go for it. All right, <laughs> thank you for words, Louise. Thank you, Louise. <laughs> no, look, it was that hour, I just, I, you answered so many questions and I so, and so appreciate it. That's what and it's all about. My young berry canes, I've got six white flowers on, so I'm going to come in and get some more. Okay. Okay, now I've really only got two questions. All right. um, Now, the first one is pretty easy. Um, I want to, well, you know my yard, and it's mainly all um, big pots. Yes. So, um, these summer, three fruits that are grafted. Yes. On, um, they're four pots, are they? You, you, sorry, no, what do you mean? You've got a, you've got... You know how you, you have the, the fruit tree? Yes. Um, well, I could put one in a big pot, I guess, but, um, there's some that have like three fruits on them. Oh, yes, yes, right. Well, they're all individually grafted, so it's a particular tree that, that they graft three different things just on the one rootstock. That's it, yes. Yes. That's it. Okay. So... They are available, and they, they you still could get away with growing one of those in a really big pot for quite like a number of years. The same size as the um, mulberry tree? That's right, yes, yes. Oh, okay. All right. All right, that's good. Now, now I've sort of got my garden under control. It's my yard. Right. I've killed all the clover. As you know, this was a new house. Yes. With flowers and lawn. <laughs> 
So I've killed all the clover, and today I did another one, and it was just like the little yellow flowers of yes. Abindi. Now, they're called oxalis. They're a variety of, um, it's called flowering oxalis, so it's, it's just another weed, a bit similar to clover, uh, but certainly the Bindi, if you use that, should get that under control for you as well. Yeah, well, I've gone through a whole bottle of Bindi and clover okay. after the, the last few months. Mm-hmm. So now my question is, and I just noticed, I listened to you on the um, introduction. Yes. Now, I want to, the, the front yard is just weeds. So right. I want to get rid of all the weeds and get some top dressing down and get a nice front lawn. Right. Um, now, do I, do I get the proverbial weed and feed? Now you use you, you use the bindi. You still use the bindi because that'll pick out all the weeds in your lawn, and oh. whatever lawn is left, it will just continue to grow. So it's going to do exactly the same thing. You'll pick out all the weeds. After you've sprayed it, you can leave it three or four days, and then you can get your top dressing. And if you feel you want a top dress, but otherwise you'll find if you just feed the lawn, Louise, it will bring the lawn on and bring the actual grass that's left, and it will cover the area for you. So that's all I would do. Exactly what you did with the back area spray it with the bindi and then wait for the grass to start growing you can feed it with just a lawn food and it will bring it on nice and strong for you so is that the um like the um lawn feed with the pellet that's right yes you can just you can you can buy it an organic fertilizer or you can buy something like number 17 plus and that will just start working and feed the lawn that's actually left there and cover those bare patches Oh, good, because you realise I do want the best green lawn. Of course you do, yes, as everyone does. (laughs) (laughs) All right, thank you so so much. Thanks for those lovely compliments. That's all right, sweetheart. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye now. Thank you very much, Louise. Um, Our next caller is Cole from Saltash. Hello, Cole. G'day, David. How are you doing? Good, thank you. That's the boy. David, do you need to let uh, quarter lines dry out like frangipanis before you pot them on? Uh, no, well, no, with cordylines, I mean, they, they do, don't mind dryish areas, but certainly if you're going to repot them, you mean, you, what, you're going to take cuttings or you're going yeah, to repot? Yeah, you're going to cut, cut the long, long okay. uh, stalks off. Well, no, once, once you've cut the top off, I mean, that needs to go into some seed raising mixture or something like that, but no, they don't need to be dried off like oh, cord, right. like frangipanis. They need to be put straight back into the soil. Fantastic. Okay, that's all, right. all I need to know. Very good. Thank, Thank you, Cole. Bye bye now. Thank you, Cole. Easy fix. Uh, Jan from Pindima is on the line now, David. Hello, Jan. Oh, hi, David. Um, two questions, please. I want to ask about an ornamental grape I put in last year. Mm-hmm. Um, it was great the first year, fantastic. Um, this year, it's sort of like got little leaves and it's spindly and it's developed little bunches of grapes. Yes. So should I cut it back or cut all the lateral shoots off it? Or okay. So did you cut it back during the winter months? No, unfortunately I didn't. Well, with like normal grapevines, normal fruiting grapes, they still need to be cut back because by cutting them back, that actually helps promote good, strong growth. So I'd say what's happened, Jan, is that it's just shot out of the ends of the existing growth, and that's why it's a little bit spindly. So look, it certainly wouldn't hurt for you to cut a good third of the growth off from the ends to try and promote some good, strong growth. 
Um, and by doing that, you'll probably find that you will get good, strong growth. Now, the reason why it's gone straight into fruit is because of that reason, because it probably hasn't been cut back, and it's just gone straight into fruiting stage. Now, this fruit is still ornamental. It's not edible, but it's forming a seed, which means that it's ready to go die back for the season. So by cutting it back, you'll cut a lot of that away. Look, okay. certainly feed it up well, Jan, with just an organic fertiliser, and I'm sure it'll shoot back to life very, very quickly. Oh, that's fantastic. All right. Thank you for that. Just one other thing. Certainly. Um, We put in a lot of iceberg roses last year, Mm -hmm. and I noticed some of them went, the flowers went all spindly with tiny, narrow petals and tiny, spindly leaves. Mm Mm-hmm. Was there anything that would have caused that to happen? Well, sometimes what happens with roses when they get deformed like this, they they sometimes have been sprayed by something that they don't really like. And I'd say possibly this has happened, that you you may have been spraying a weed spray around or even zero affects them extremely bad. So keep a lot of those pesticides or those herbicides, I should say, away from the roses because it will cause things like this to happen. But I think you'll probably find it will grow out of that and go back to its normal foliage again. Wonderful. Thank right. you so much. Thanks, Thank Jane. Bye-bye now. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you very much, Jane. 49216216 is our phone number here on Gardening Talk. Back on 2NURFM 103.7. We go to Abermain now, and Michael's waiting on the line. Hello, Michael. Hello, David. How are you today? Good, thank you. Uh, that's good. Uh, a couple of questions, one for me, one for my neighbour. Mm-hmm. Um, with mine, um, I pulled a gladioli bulb up some time back. And I collected all the little corns that was underneath it. Planted them. I've got about 150 <laughs> little, little plants. Now, will they produce? Do you just plant them on and, and, and into bigger pots and yes, they will well, grow into Certainly they will, yes. I mean, look, with gladiolis, they always do form the little babies on the side, and eventually that's what exactly happens. They will detach themselves from the parent plant and form a new plant. So you've just done it a little bit prematurely uh, and decided to grow them uh, from that small little bulb. Certainly they won't flower, probably for a few years. If if they do, you're very, very lucky uh, because it will take a few years to form a reasonable size bulb. But, yeah, they'll grow and they'll flower eventually for you. I reckon that must be 150 there. <laughs> you could start now, selling my them out on the street. My neighbour pulled yes. up a weed. Yes. He asked me if I'd seen it. I haven't got any in my yard. It's a, a low-growing, spreading sort of a weed. Um, the leaf is very tiny. It looks like it could be a trefoil. Um, and the, the, the leaves are like, very tiny, and some of them are rusty red in colour. Mm. Any ideas? I certainly do have an idea because there is a particular weed that looks like that and it tends to form a dreadful mat of root system underneath the ground. And if you're not careful, sometimes it will actually start suffocating the existing grass. Now, this is a very, very difficult weed to get rid of. I found that most of the normal herbicides that you get for weeds, it it, it won't even even hit hit or affect them in any way. So the only thing I've been suggesting to a lot of people is just get some zero or glyphosate uh, made up to its required measurements and just get a little paintbrush and just brush it over a few of the leaves. You don't have yeah. to cover the entire area of the weed with the glypho. It's just a matter of brushing it along the weed and that way it goes down into that particular stem and yeah. hopefully kills it. It may take a little while to do that, um, but certainly if you keep with it, I'm sure that'll be able to, um, to fix it up for you. 
and the big ones are easily pulled out. Would that be... Yeah, well, certainly if you can pull the yeah. large ones out because uh, sometimes you'll find a lot of the products don't work on adult foliage. It yeah. works better on the smaller, young-growing foliage. Oh, that's good. All right. Okay, thank you very much for that. Thank you, Michael. <laughs> okay, bye. Bye-bye now. now. Let's get back to your calls here on Gardening Talk, back on 2NURFM, and say hello to Marion from Summerland Point. Hello, Marion. Hello, David. How are you? Good, thank you. And that's good. I've got a couple of questions. Yes. Um, I was given some irises, and um, I've planted them, and they're growing wonderful, but they're not flowering. And, but I bought some that was in a packet, but they're flowering. So first of all, let's distinguish which iris you have because, I mean, with, with the normal just Dutch iris, which you plant from, from March up until June, they would be in flower first. But then the bearded iris, they normally... That's exactly what okay. I've got, bearded. All right. Well, with the bearded iris, sometimes you've just got to be a little bit patient with those. Oh, okay. they They sometimes do take a little while to first flower. Uh, but certainly with irises, bearded irises themselves, they love a garden all on their own. They don't like any competition from anything else in the garden. Oh. So that's why they prefer to be in a garden all on their own. That's why you often see people growing them, that they've got them all together, all the different colours, and they look spectacular. I've got them in with roses. Yes, right. <laughs> well, so they do like a garden all on their own, right out in the full sun because they appreciate the full sun and they like really, really good drainage. So they're the two main... Yes. things that they like, Marion. Okay. And the other thing is, um, I'm building a garden out the back and it's clay. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I know that you've got to put gypsum in it. Yes. And I was wondering about, would I need to sweeten the, the soil up as well with Lime. Well, look, certainly it wouldn't hurt to do that, just a little bit of garden lime, depending on what you're going to be putting there. And also, too, if you get yourself some garden soil, get some garden soil in mm-hmm. and actually mix that into the clay as well. And that's going to give you a little bit of a head start because the, even the garden soil will work its way down into the clay as well mm-hmm. as the gypsum helping you out. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm just going to put some um, bird's nest in that. It doesn't get a great deal of sunshine okay but um i mean i just wanted to, to sort of because i've got friends of pennies there as well mm-hmm. and i just wanted um a bit of greenery around yes. the bottom of the fringe penny now that's a great idea but I, I still think that you still need to i mean certainly you can buy just garden soil in bags if it's only a mm-hmm. smallish area yes. but otherwise if it's a large area you can get a bulk quantity of soil delivered but basically it's just garden soil and it'll actually help work on the clay as well and oh you'll probably God. find if you buy garden soil in bags from a, a garden a, a nursery it's probably got gypsum already mixed oh, right. through the the soil as well so okay then and and when can i plant them after how long after i've i've put the gypsum and the and the um Yes, well, there's no waiting time. You can actually do that straight away because that's it's not a fertilizer or anything that's going to to burn the plants. So you can actually plant virtually straight away. Oh, that's good. Okay, then I think I've you've answered all my questions. Wonderful. And I love your show. I, I think... listen to it every Monday. Well, as long as you're learning something, that's the I most am. important thing. I am. It's, it's, it's very good. Thank you, Marion. All right. Okay. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thank you, Marion. Yeah, I think gardeners are learning all the time, aren't we, David? Yes, I am. 
<laughs> you are. Well, oh, yes. Well, the rest of us are in big trouble then, yeah. <laughs> Okay. Uh, Des from Edgeworth is next on the line. Hello, Des. Hello, David. How are you today, good, thank mate? Thank you. That's good. A uh, couple of questions. First off, I have two gardenias up in the garden. Uh, I'm in a village, right? Mm-hmm. It's in a village garden. Uh, the first one is a tiny one. It's only about six inches tall, and uh, it's been there for some time. And the other one, about a metre away, I planted there oh, about a month or so ago. It came out of a pot. Okay? Yes. Now, I put it in the ground, and uh, I fertil- put some fertiliser around and, and watered it in, and I'd give it some soluble fertiliser later. Now the leaves are going yellow. Mm-hmm. What's happened? What have I done okay. wrong? A couple of things with gardenias. At this time of the year, you'll always get a certain amount of the foliage going yellow to make way for either their flowering stage or else for their new growth that, that's going to appear very, very soon. Oh. Secondly, sometimes what happens with gardenias, depending on how you use the fertiliser, sometimes it may be just a little bit on the strong side and it may just tend to upset it slightly. So it may have been the fertiliser that just may have upset it slightly. Look, that'll settle down. It's, it's not going to kill the, the gardenia, no. but certainly it's probably just upset it slightly uh, from, you know, just being a little bit too strong around the plant. So, look, certainly just keep the water up to your gardenias, particularly now this time of the year because, as I said, they are budding to flower. If not budding to flower, they'll certainly go right into growth very quickly. Okay, thanks, David. Now, another question. Mm. I was given a Cymbidium orchid for yes. my 83rd birthday. yes. A beautiful thing, and it had three stems on it full of flowers. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't put it outside, I knew that, because mm-hmm. I get the late afternoon sun here yes. and it's very hot. Mm-hmm. Um, one stem, the flowers are gradually getting very dark, looks like they're going to fade out and what do they do? Do they fall off? They don't fall off. So, well, sometimes the flowers fall off, but you're actually left with a stem that's actually been holding the flowers. Yeah. So once all the flowers have gone, Des, you just actually cut that off right down to the very, very base. So you're cutting right. the stem off. So once all the flowers are finished on your cymbidium, you really must put that back outside in natural conditions and preferably somewhere where it's a little bit semi-shaded, not right out in that full sun that you've got, but preferably under a bush or under a tree or somewhere like that where it's just getting filtered sun. Okay. Now, the other two stems, the flowers are still beautiful. Good. Leave them alone. Yes, leave them alone until they've actually started dying away. And when, as I said, all the flowers are finished, you just cut the stem off completely right down in the foliage and then just pop it outside. Now, do the leaves, the big fawns, the leaves, whatever you call them, do they die off? No, no, they don't. They'll stay green. Um, and you, as I said, you generally need to put them outside to get natural conditions after the, fla- the, the orchid has finished blooming. So you leave the leaves on? Oh, yes. You yes. don't cut them back. Yes, okay. you don't touch the leaves at all. a couple of them have died and dropped off. Well, that's quite natural, particularly when it's been inside. Yes. Uh, it just needs to go back outside after it finishes flowering. Okay. Thanks right. very much, David. My pleasure, Des. Okay, bye. bye-bye now. Thank you, Des. 21 minutes to one uh, news from the 2NURFM news team coming along at one o'clock. Let's say hello now to Jocelyn, David. Jocelyn's from Redhead. Hello, Jocelyn. Hello, David. Um, I'm just watching this bushfire. Oh, yes, yes, you'd be very close Mm. to it there. Yes, yes, we are. Um, Two questions. Mm. 
when you spray your lawn, how long do you have to wait before you can mow it? Okay, normally it's three days because that gives the chemical an opportunity to start working within the actual weed. Yes. So if you cut it any, any earlier than that, sometimes you're getting rid of the chemical yes. and you'll have to start all over again. So we generally say three or four days just as, as a good working time yes. uh, for the chemical to start working. Yes, okay. And the next question, candy tuff. Yes. Do you have the new one? That's the turbo, mm-hmm. which is the one that I'm it's giving away. It's white with a yellow centre. Well, okay. you, you look very, very closely. It's probably got a yellow centre, but yeah. even without my glasses, I can just barely <laughs> yeah. see a little bit of yellow. And it's I'd, actually, I'd call it a yellow centre. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually the one that I'm giving away at the end of the program oh, today. I, mi- I missed the, yes. the, the, the first of yes. the show. Yes, so we do have the... Yes, we, where the smoke yes. is going. We do have those in stock at the moment, yes. Oh, goody. Mm. Okay, then, that's all. Thanks, all right. David. Thank you, okay. and just keep watching that fire, Josh. Yes, I will. Okay. Yeah, oh, they're, they're water bombing now. Oh, okay. So okay. It must be very serious. Yes. Okay, yeah. thanks, Thank Jocelyn. Bye. Bye. Yes, all the, the gardeners there in the Redhead Dudley area, we're, uh, we're thinking mm. of you. Keep your eye on that fire. Um, Gwen from Curry Curry is on the line now, David. Hello, Gwen. Good afternoon, David. How are you? Good, thank you. That's good. Not bad. That I uh, have a crepe myrtle, yes, which I pruned back quite some time, and um, I thought I'd killed it. But then one day you <laughs> said you can't kill them. I thought, oh, good. Yes. Anyhow, uh, a fortnight ago, these little tiny things come out. And now it's just a massive leaf. Isn't it amazing how quickly it I grows? I couldn't believe it. <laughs> oh, I thought definitely thought it was dead, but it's got a white like a white powdery stuff on it. Already, my goodness, yes. Well, that's just um, simply called powdery mildew, Gwen. That's actually mm-hmm. a fungal disease. I thought uh, that. Yes, yeah, so you need to just, if you can get yourself a product called Mancazeb. And spell that one, yes, David. Yes, M-A-N-C-O-Z-E-B. Now that should okay. you could should be able to get that from any of your local. I don't know whether you, have you got a nursery up that way. Uh, uh, not close no. to there, but um, the mitre ten. Oh, yes, plants yes. And so if you can get there. some of that, mix it according to directions, and then mm-hmm. just give your crepe myrtle a spray. Yes, that it's, should. It's yes, going, so it's getting quite a, a fair bit of. It will spread very very quickly. Yes, yes, yes. So you need to spray that once, and then Gwen, if you can just repeat that again in fourteen days, that should clear the problem for you. Hopefully, in that really, because it's, it's only a miniature one. Oh, okay. It's so pretty. Yes, but yeah. I knew you wouldn't kill it. <laughs> no, but I took faith and said you can't kill it. I said, oh, well, I don't think I've killed it, but it just took so long for the yes. uh, flowers like oh, but yes, to once come we, out. Once we get a good few warm days, it yes, certainly it brings it on so yeah, fast. It's, it looks beautiful, except for this stuff that's yes. growing on it. All right, uh, Gwen. Also, I've oh. got a hibiscus. Okay. Uh, do they lose their leaves in the... Well, in your areas, quite often during the winter months, yes, it will lose a certain... I lost them in the winter, but a lot of the leaves, I thought it was dying. Okay. But when I looked at it, it's got a lot of new growth coming Well, out. once again, I assure you, you probably couldn't kill a hibiscus. All you I haven't re- touched it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to touch it. All you really need to do is actually, you could start thinking about it now, just giving it a prune back. You can certainly take it a good halfway back and it, oh, will, right. it will shoot out with beautiful new growth once again for you, Gwen. Oh, even now it's shooting 
now yes, yes. right up the, le- the, le- the stems with yes. all these new leaves coming Certainly out. Certainly give it a good little bit of oh, a prune okay. and you'll have it looking even better. Oh, that's good because right. I, I acquired these plants okay. that when I moved down here and I was so pleased I had them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you, David. My pleasure, Gwen. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. Thank you very much, Gwen. Um, it's 16 minutes to 1492-16216 is the number if you'd like to give us a call, Gardening Talkback, here on 2NURFM 103.7. Okay, back to your calls on 4921626, and on the line we've got Beryl from Killiburn Bay. Hello, Beryl. Good afternoon to you both. How are you? Good. We're good. That's good. I have got the little common waxy begonia, but it's a triple, triple, triple flower. Right. Um, and I can't get rid of the mildew mm. on it, the powdery mildew, but we've done it with mangazeb and zineb. Yes. And You've still got zineb? Mm, yes. Wow, because that, that hasn't been available for quite some time. Oh. So I'd suggest, oh. <laughs> I'd suggest to um, use that out, up, of date. out of the way, yes. Well, it could possibly be as well. But, look, certainly I find, particularly if it's very, very bad, Beryl, the powdery mildew is, particularly also at this time of the year, you could quite easily cut them nearly right back to ground level and get rid of all of that old stuff, and then it will just regrow back with new growth, and then you could just spray with the mancozeb to prevent the powdery mildew from coming. Look, might I say that it's really early because you're not the first call that I've had today with powdery mildew problem already, and we're only in spring. So. I, I've been sort of putting it out in the sun. It's in a pot. Mm. I put it out in the sun, and then at night I bring it in. Right. To, in the carport, so it's not in the cold yes. or the wet. Gosh, some people look after their pots well, don't they? <laughs> they do, like pets. Gee whiz. Yeah. All right, now, can I ask one more question, please? You can, yes, I've yes. got the lemon clivia, yes. the old one. Yes, yes. Um, when can I repot it, please? Okay, well, it's in flower now, of course, yes. with most clivias are, and certainly straight after flowering you could repot it, and that way it won't affect it. It'll just go into into producing new growth for you for the rest of the season. Okay. Thank you very much. Have a wonderful day. Yes, thank you, Beryl. You too. Bye-bye now. Thank you, Beryl. Um, I can't get over how some people just look after their plants. They just say like animals. It's amazing. Mm. Even I don't do that. Well, I know we we talk about cyclamens a lot. That yes, in, in, yes. In winter, you put them outside at That's night. That's right, yes. And, so it's, maybe it's a similar thing with, yes. with uh, Beryl's be- begonias. Begonias, it? Yeah, begonias, yes. yeah. Okay, uh, Kevin from Swansea's waiting now, David. Hello, Kevin. How you going, Marty? Good, thank you. I was given a ballerina um, apple tree. Yes. Uh, need two of them to propagate or... You do. You actually do with the ballerina. It's a particular variety of apple tree. You'll probably find it requires a certain pollinator. I can't give you what that pollinator is straight offhand because I need to look at pollination charts. But certainly if you contact um, uh, the nursery, they will be able to tell you straight away what it will pollinate with. And I'm quite sure if you phone Walls End Community Nursery, they'll tell you exactly that we've got some in stock already. Well, we bought it, bought it actually from the... Okay, great. Well, we should have a pollinator there uh, for it to pollinate with. Okay, then. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Bye for now. Have a good day. Thank you. Thank you, Kevin. Can you remember the phone number off the top of your head? I can certainly remember the phone number, Phil, and it's 49501066. 
I'm I'm very impressed. I, I had to ring somebody and give them my phone number. And you uh, couldn't to, remember? To an answering machine. <laughs> and I'm blowed if I could remember my phone number. Uh, this uh, early, well, it's not particularly early onset Alzheimer's. <laughs> it's a strange thing. Okay, uh, we've got Shirley from Blacksmiths on the line now. Hello, Shirley. Oh, hi, David. How are you? Good, thank you. Um, my husband's parents have both passed away and they've put the house on the market, which is good. And it's been sold, and his father was an amazing gardener with roses. Mm -hmm. One of his favourites, and my husband's favourite, is a Papa Milan. Oh, yes, yes. How I want to get a piece of that from the house before it takes over, the other people take over. Can I do that successfully by well, just snipping it or something? Mm, look, see, this is always a little bit of a problem because this time of the year the roses have shot away nicely and they've got all their new growths. But yeah, unfortunately, yes, yeah. unfortunately, you need the previous year's growth. So, I mean, you've got to try and find a, a section that's got the previous year's growth to try and get that hardwood cutting from it. So right. none of yeah. the new growth will survive if you try propagating it. But certainly if you can get a piece of that, previous year's wood, cut that off and stick it in. You should be fairly successful, even though it's done during winter when we prune our roses back, you should be still successful in getting that to shoot. And anything special to put it in? Or? Look, certainly at this time of the year, it would be wise to probably get it in some seed-raising mixture or propagation mixture uh, because you may have to leave it in that for some time before it actually gets roots, before you'll be able to put it out into the ground again. All right, no, I'll try it. Now, if all fails, of course, you realise you can buy... Uh, so you can still buy Papa Oh, yes, you certainly can. I keep a lot of the old roses, and Papa Me Land is one of those that I do normally keep. Yeah, no, it's a beautiful rose. Yes. Yeah. Okay, thank you very much, David. You're welcome, Shirley. Bye-bye. Thanks, Shirley. Uh, to Minmy next, and Ooh. Heather's Ooh. on the line. It's my Your hometown. Old hometown. Yes. yes. Sorry, the ha name of this person? Heather. Heather, how are you? Good, thank you. That's good. I have a Robin Gordon Grevillea. Yes. It was in the house when we moved in three or four years ago, and the trunks are all black and mildewy looking and the, not a lot of flowers on it. Mm-hmm. What can I do with it? Okay, well, certainly with the Robin Gordon, I mean, sometimes with a lot of these grevilleas, it is characteristic to have this sort of greying, blacking on the stem. But if it's basically covered in black, it may be a thing called uh, sooty mould, which is caused by a scale that may have been on the grevillea. In your case, Heather, I certainly think that I would be just spraying it with a product called Anti-Scale, and that will actually get rid of the black. You'll need to repeat that application again in 14 days just to make sure. And, of course, with the Robin Gordon, it, it always actually um, responds best if you just give it a light prune at this time of the year because that's going to force some nice new growth up from the older areas. Make sure when you prune your, your grevilleas, you don't prune them back too severely because they may not come back. So probably just a light trim heather, and that should make it bush out again for you. That'd be great. Thank right. you very much. My pleasure, Heather. Bye-bye. Thanks very much, Heather. I think, Phil, that's yeah. the, the first call that we've had from my hometown. Uh, we don't uh, we don't get a lot of calls no. from uh, from Minmay or from my old hometown, Edgeworth. Right. Um, we were, must have been neighbours there yes. at one stage. Yeah, uh, we've had Des from Edgeworth today. Yes, yes, yes. So one each for us. Yes. Yeah. Okay, um, Peter from Wanji's on the line now, David. Hello, Peter. How are you, David? Good, thank you. Uh, just a simple question. Yes. Uh, I've got a big rose garden bed, mm -hmm. cleaned all the weeds out, it's bare now, 
What's right. the best mulch to put on there to stop those weeds coming through? Okay, well, certainly a really good mulch, an economical mulch to put on is sugarcane mulch, because you can buy that in a fairly large bale. Yep. And then you put that on nice and thick. But the only thing is, Peter, when you put it on, make sure you don't crowd around the stems of the roses. You just keep that back a little bit from the rose stem itself. But certainly you can put a nice thick layer of that on the garden. And, of course, make sure you water that in thoroughly after you've done that otherwise. Otherwise, it'll all blow down the street if you're not careful. Yeah. So, so yes, sugarcane probably by far is the best one to put around your roses. Look, and, and when you say put it around thickly, what do you call thickly? Well, you know, you can... mil, 75 mil, 100 mil? Uh, well, certainly, I mean, a good two or three inches. Yeah, I, think Dave, I think David's an inches man. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that's all right, that's all right. <laughs> I could work in both, but I'm looking at fingers yeah. now, and I think probably a good two or three inches around the roses would be wonderful. Thank you very kindly for that. You're welcome, Peter. Thank you. Thank you, David. Bye-bye now. Thank you, Peter. <laughs> I'm a bit like that myself. You've got to uh, look at things and just yeah, see. Yeah, yes. and imagine a ruler yep, held up against right, them. Yes. Yeah. Terry from Valentine's with us now, David. Hello, Terry. How are you, David? Good, thank you. That's good, David. Um, I'm just wondering whether you can just help me. I'm very new to gardening, mm -hmm. and um, uh, I'm near the lake at uh, Lake Macquarie there, and I've been grabbing the seaweed yes. and using it as mulch. Now... I don't know whether that's good, bad, or whatever. Do you... It's tremendous. Is it? Yes, I thoroughly recommend it. I mean, look, certainly anyone that lives on the lake... Uh, should be using the seaweed. That's if they're able to use the seaweed. And look, it's a great idea, Terry. You just collect it from the shore, put it straight onto the garden. I mean, most people in the olden days would wash it to get the salt out of it. But these days, the salt is quite beneficial for the garden. So yeah, just put it straight onto the garden and all those wonderful elements in that seaweed, which is what our extract seaweed fertilizer comes from, is just, it's just watered down into the ground. And of course, eventually the seaweed will break down and go into the soil as well, so you just keep topping it up. But it's a wonderful product to use on the garden. Oh, well, you've almost answered the other question, and that <laughs> was uh, the sea, because uh, I heard them talking on Better Homes and Garden yes. last night about sea solution, and I'm thinking, I've heard you talking about the sea yes, soil, and I'm yes. just wondering, okay, so is there a formula you can make one out of the other, but it sounds a little bit like there's no need. You're you... doing it all just by putting that seaweed on the garden, because that's just liquefying it down and putting the, uh, the fertiliser straight into the ground. Oh, wonderful, David. Well, thank you very kindly. You've put my mind at ease there a little bit. I didn't know about the salt, whether that was going to be detrimental or no. not, but everything sounds good, and thank yes. you kindly. A great product. Good stuff. Okay. You have a good day, and thanks for your help, David. No, thanks, Terry. Bye-bye now. Bye. Love your show. Thank you very much, Terry. Now, I lived for a little while uh, right on the shore of Lake Macquarie. Yes. When we first moved back from Newcastle. We lived in a kind of a boat shed. And, um, yeah, that, that seagrass just oh, builds up on the shore. And, and um, yeah, it's good to know that, that it can be put to... Particularly, uh, I, I think it's only to, accessible to the actual residents that live there. Yeah, I, mean, I don't you know can't that you go could, and collect you it. You could go wandering around on yes, public land that's collecting right. it or anything but like that. But certainly people yeah. that have got it in front of their houses. I mean, it's absolutely tremendous. As I said, mm. take it straight from the shore. Sometimes people will chop it up, but certainly you can just pile it straight onto the garden. Wonderful stuff. Um, okay, back to the calls. Um, waiting online is Linda from New Lambton Heights. Hello, Linda. Hi, David. How are you? Good, thank you. <coughs> Excuse me. 
Um, I have a lawn that I want to use weed and feed on. Yes. It's the granules, not the spray. Yes. And, but the edging is Mondo grass. Mm-hmm. And there are some, um, what do you call it, clover in the, in the Mondo grass. Will, it, will the weed and feed kill the Mondo grass? It will certainly affect it very, very badly. Oh, so okay. you'd be better to keep it right away from the Mondo grass. Okay. Uh, yes. So I can only use it on the lawn where there's no Mondo grass. That's right. You can only use It's basically used uh, as a lawn weeder and feeder. Yeah. Um, and certainly that also that product I don't think can be used on buffalo lawn. There is a precaution on it to say not to use it on buffalo lawns either. So, yes, you've just got to be a little bit careful with that because it's a burning type thing that uh, it, it relies on. And if you put that on your Mondo grass, it's going to burn your Mondo grass as well. So. Ground. Do I need to water the garden first or make the ground wet first? Well, sometimes it, it will give you all those instructions on the weed and feed. I'm not an overly keen person on weed and feed, so that's oh, why I'm okay. sort of bouncing off it if I can because I normally like to suggest to people to spray the lawn with some, some herbicide that will just get rid of the weeds and then to go over and feed it with a lawn fertiliser. I find it works a little more efficient than what the weed and feed is. Quite often I have people saying that all it seems to do is actually feed the weeds and bring them all back on, but, uh, and that's why I don't tend to push the weed and feed. Yes, yes, yes. Well, you'll certainly know once you've used it how much grass you've actually got left. Let's say it kills all the weeds off and there isn't much grass. Can I then go to the, the grass seed? Oh, you can if you wanted to, but then you'll probably find that the grass that's left there will eventually grow over those bare patches for you anyway. Oh, okay. Yes. All right. You're welcome, Linda. Thanks. Okay, bye. bye. Thank you very much, Linda. Uh, we go to Mayfield next, and Barry's on the line. Hello, Barry. Hi, how are you going? Good, thank you. Good. Okay, look, in my backyard here, uh, I've got about... Uh, olive tree is a problem, not mm. fruiting. I have about 16 other trees down there, fruiting trees that all fruit, all different types. Everyone's a different type. And the only one that won't fruit is the olive tree. Mm. It's been in about seven years, but within about... Four metres of this olive tree and most of the other things is a large uh, gum tree, a large Norfolk pine and a large silky oak, Ooh, all within about four metres of yes. it. Well, obviously, yes, obviously they're taking a lot from the ground and um, mm. probably that's why Olive's not really responding. But you certainly can try and work on that, uh, Barry, just by spiking around your olive tree and then possibly just popping some potash around it because remembering yeah. that the potash is a flower and fruit producer. And also, too, you can use some citrus fertiliser around your olive tree because anything that's fruiting, the citrus fertiliser can be used on. But make sure, of course, when you use any of these products that you do water them in very very thoroughly and that you keep the water up to it because that keeps the fertilizer nice and active so you would be best to try and do that as quickly as you possibly can so that you get some form of flowering on your actually olives if they're going to flower this year right i have actually done most of that over the over the years trying to get it to fruit yes uh but with no success, I could mm. perhaps try some more. I haven't tried the potash, yes, but I've tried the citrus uh, food and yes. sort of thing. As I say, all the other things like the custard apple, coffee tree, pawpaws, 
everything's down there. They all grow good, but except the olive. Yes. The olive is the closest one to all the big trees. Yes, well, see, being as close as what it is, I mean, mm. it's certainly yeah. when you put this fertiliser on your olive, naturally enough, those trees are going to want that fertiliser, and that's why probably you're going to have to just look at it a little more closely and probably do a fertilising a little more so around your olive yeah. tree. Okay, I thought, yeah, I thought that might be the problem. That's why I sort of mentioned the large trees. Yes. So, yeah, okay, I'll get back in and see how I go. Very good. Thank okay. you, Barry. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Thank you very much, Barry. Uh, Barry sounds like he's got a very intensive yeah. sort of orchard thing going there. Uh, to Irene now in Balcolin. Hello, Irene. How are you, David? Good, thank you. Yeah. Now, last year I rang up about our grapevine mm-hmm. um, because it had like curly leaf and the grapes were drying and falling yes. off. And you said to get mangazed. Well, I've got the mangazed here. Right. You said to do it early this, like of the season. Now, on it, it doesn't say anything about grapes, and I'm just wondering which ones I do out okay. of it. It will just give you uh, an instruction on the mangazed, and you'll probably find it's the same instruction for nearly the whole of what it they're It practically re- is. There's yes. only one that says 9 kilograms per 9 litres of water. The mm. others all say 18 grams, sorry, yes. 9 litres of water. I was going to say, kilograms is a bit too much. Yeah, 18 grams. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. uh, so yeah. you will so just go to the one that's got the, the long column that's, that's telling you for ornamentals and all of those sorts of things. You just go according to that instruction. Right, yeah. I can't sort of see an ornamental. It'll, be, it'll yeah. be a very long column which just has the one uh, dosage in amongst this column which, which entails most of the things that are on the back of that packet. Radio, then. All so right. I'll just do that now. We should do them now. I should well, actually, yes. After the calls that I've had today, there is a lot of powdery mildew already around at this yeah. time of the year. So certainly, I would suggest that you start spraying them from now on. Yeah, and it says seven, and then every fourteen days, sort of thing. Yes. So. Well, in your case, just I mean, just look at it every yeah. fourteen days. If you feel it, it doesn't have the powdery mildew, probably just leave it another week or so. But try not to to give it too much chemical. Oh, um, right. And there's yeah. no need to be doing it. Just yeah. keep an eye on it. And the first sign of powdery mildew, which is a powdery sort of substance, get in and spray them very, very quickly. Yeah. But certainly, yes, it wouldn't hurt to do one straight away. Right, yeah. Good. Thank you very, very much for that. You're welcome. Thanks, David. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you very much, Irene. Um, Beverly's on the line next, David. Beverly's from Nelson's Plains. Hello, Beverly. Good afternoon, David. I am so amazed with your knowledge. We, we throw every question at you, and, and you've got the answers for all of us. That's because I'm old. Oh, you're not old. I oh, David, really. I remember you from Morgan Street, Maryworth. Oh, my goodness. My goodness, yes. that's going back quite a number of years. It is, it is. Yes. Gee whiz. Yes, Fancy bringing up things like that, Morgan Street. That was, that was back in my youngish days. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but you were a wonderful tenant. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So you lived in the building or? No. Oh. No, I managed it. Oh, okay, right. You probably wouldn't want to see me go. No, I didn't. (laughs) Your past is coming back to you, David. It's fascinating. Phil, I used to have plants in the main corridor and all in those days, so everyone was um, very pleased to have me there. They were. Nobody wanted to see you go. (laughs) Anyway, we move on. Yes, we do. Uh, 
And my question is chrysanthemums. Yes. When, when can I um, lift and separate them? Okay, well, with chrysanthemums, of course, they flower for us around May, which is Mother's Day. Mm. Sometimes after that, we cut them all back to the ground. Yep. And then all of a sudden, you start seeing these shoots appearing from the ground, and that's always a good time to then dig them up and thin them out if you really wanted to. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, you've got them in the ground at the moment. Yes, and Tell I'll me... cut them off. Okay, and, that's and great. just spread like well. All right. So... How, how tall are they at the moment? Uh, six inches. Okay, well, you could still transfer a few of those if you wanted to at this time of the year. It's basically mm-hmm. best if you do it when you first cut them back. And normally I suggest to quite a lot of people is once we get closer to Christmas time, cut them back again because otherwise they just tend to be growing so tall that they're not going to have much foliage on them by the time we get to May. So you can cut them right back again around Christmas time and you'll get all this new wonderful growth coming up again. But certainly, Beverly, you could start just thinning some out now and transferring to a new spot. And do they need anything special in their new spot? Not really, just so long as you just dig the ground over, add a little bit of compost or cow manure to that soil, and they'll certainly take very, very easily. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Thank you, David, for your help. Nice talking to you. And and I enjoy your show. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye now. Thank you, Beverly. Wow, um, geez. Yes. <laughs> oh, all, all the, the stories from your past, yes. David. Yes. yes, I'm just trying to think how many years ago back that was. Oh. It's not like you're an old person, well, David. Well, yes, I'm. It's <laughs> over the half century, so. Well, yeah, gee, I wish I was. Kathy <laughs> from Merriweather's on the line now. Hello, Kathy. Hi, David. David, yesterday I sprayed the gardenias with the the stuff you said to spray if they got that. Mold. Oh, yes, anti scar. They're all black. They're black. Yes, okay. So, and I was listening before somebody, and you said you could cut back, it wasn't gardenias, but you were talking about another plant and mm-hmm. you could cut it back. Yes. Do you cut it? Can I cut the gardenias back and do I cut them before I do the next application in two weeks? Or after. Okay. Well, certainly you can cut gardenias back. I mean, normally at this time of the year, they should be budding to flower for their first season flowering in spring. Now, if you don't have kind of see any signs of buds on your gardenias, it means that the antiscala has probably taken over the plant, and that's why it's struggling. So you could actually cut it back now if you wanted to. Now, with gardenias, you can actually cut those back very, very severely. So even to the fact where you cut them back into old wood where there's no foliage whatsoever left on the plant, and they will shoot away nicely. And, yes, you do cut them back before you actually spray them for the second time because you're cutting all of that old damage wood off and diseased area so you're getting rid of a lot of the problem first and then you just spray whatever's left so basically spray the sticks that are yeah, left that's right leaves. yes and the sticks that like the main um bark of the plant what do you call it the stem yes they're down near the ground they've got like a they look not well they look sort of like they've got a white milky spot that's probably part of this. That so, it is. That's right. certainly what it is. That's part of the scale which causes the sooty mould. So that, that all is involved with one another. So that's where the anti-scale should kill those as well. Okay, so cut them back now mm-hmm. and spray them again in like a week or That's two. Right. Well, even straight away if you want to. Even straight away yes. would be okay? Yes, yes. Radio. Okay, and then when I, uh, I give them something to like to feed them and bring and mulch them. Mm-hmm. There's this stuff that I've got, and I thought it was called, I, 
thought it was called pig poo, but it looks actually like salt. Is that oh, okay. what it looks like or not? Well, I, I don't know. I mean, I've never seen pig poo available at all. <laughs> no, it, when I bought it, it was something, it was something pig. Oh, okay. And then when I went to use it on my lawn, it was like dishing out um, handfuls of, of like, of like rock salt. Oh, okay. And I thought, I wonder if it is what I'm supposed to use, yes. but you, you're not sure. No, when I'm unsure of what a product is, I certainly wouldn't suggest what to do I with it. I not use it on, so what will I use on well, the garden? normally I suggest to just use a good pelleted manure because it's it's nice and easy to apply and it's organic, so it's a non-burning fertiliser. So that's what I'd certainly use. I use the pelleted manures on all my gardenias at home, mm-hmm. uh, and I find it's very, very effective. Terrific. Okay, thanks very much, David. You're welcome. Okay, bye. bye. Thank you, Cathy. It's uh, hello to our old friend Harry from Abermain. Hello, Harry. Good afternoon to you, David. Thank you for taking my call. Pleasure. And good afternoon to you, Phil. Good afternoon, Harry. David, I have a very quick question to ask you about banana passion fruit. Mm -hmm. I'm absolutely amazed at the number of people that doesn't know what a banana passion fruit looks like. Yes, well, it's not as, of course, readily grown as what a normal passion fruit is, and that's probably why, Harry. Yes, yeah. And my question is, do they fall off the vine when they are fully ripe, as does a normal passion fruit, or can you pick them when they start to turn yellow? All right. Well, certainly with the banana passion fruit, just like a normal passion fruit, yes, it will fall when it's ready. But certainly if you just touch the banana passion fruit when it is on the vine, it sometimes will fall off anyway. It only needs that slight touch to actually let it fall off the plant. So, of course, once again, like normal passion fruit, the longer you leave them on the fruit on the plant, the more mature they are inside that's the answer to my question david and i thank you very very much for my that. pleasure harry have a wonderful day take care thank you yeah, bye-bye thank you very much harry um ros from spears points with us now david hello ros hello david oh look I'm, my question is about nandinas yes um i planted two rows of small ones last year and i just want them to grow up and be bushy mm-hmm. so um all the new shoots that are on now, should I cut them all back or? Oh, no. Tell, tell me, first of all, which Nandina you've got because there's quite a few um, of them on the market now. I think it's the Nana. Yes. So it's just the little dwarf one. Yes. No, you just let it grow because to get your height and to get your fullness, you shouldn't have to prune it at all because oh, they, right. they stay very, very clumpy. So therefore, all that wonderful new growth that you see now will open up into a beautiful growth and just give you a little bit more height. So no, I would, I would not tend to touch any of the Nandina Nanas at all. I would just let them full out themselves. Oh, good idea. Thank right. you. You're welcome, Roz. Bye-bye. Bye. Yes, thank you, Roz. And uh, Robert from Largs is next, David. Hello, Robert. Oh, hi, David. How are you? Uh, well, Good, thanks. Uh, great day, huh? It's beautiful. Yeah, I've heard uh, of recent time of people trying to get rid of onion weed in their lawn and their garden. Yes. I've had a pretty good success rate with what I've been doing with it. Certainly tell us and about I it. Share, I will share it with you. Good. Right, uh, what I need is a pair of pliers, some, band- some small band-aids, like a, you know, like the dot band-aids. Yes. Neat round up and a small paintbrush like an artist brush. Right. What you do is you bunch up the... the, um, the um, onion weed, uh, you know, you hold it together. Yes. Crush it, crush it lightly till it goes a bit sappy with the uh, with the pliers. Right. Put a bit of Roundup, brush that onto that onto that exposed area while it's sappy, and just put a bit on the band aid and wrap the band aid around it. Oh, okay. 
Okay, great. And what, that, what that does is it sort of helps it stay there on the band on the on the stem of the um, the onion weed, and it also tracks down where you've actually been. That's very good. Yes, that's an excellent idea. We love these ideas coming in, particularly about onion weed, which, of course, as you know, is one of the most difficult um, weeds to get rid of out of the garden. So, look. Well, especially, especially in the lawn where you try to, you know, you, you, you can't really spray yes, it. Yes, that's I right. Do, I, I use it neat, but I think that the secret of it is, is actually crushing it so it is a little bit sappy. Yes. So I can absorb it a lot better. No, that, that's a great idea. Thank you very much for sharing that with us, Robert. I'll also have a question for you. Okay, right. How do we get rid of Doc? Doc? Well, Doc, look, yeah, that, that's another difficult one because it's got that dreadful waxy sort of um, uh, appearance and feel to it and it's very, very difficult to get products into it. Once again, if we try and take it, most of it off uh, manually by hand and dispose of that and then once again you'd be just using your glyphosate products to just dab it onto the new foliage uh, yeah. because it's the new foliage which, which will consume the product much faster. But it is, again, once uh, you know, when you've got it a very very difficult one to try and get rid of yeah okay because i've got all this idea about the onion weed on the same way i got rid of some castor oil plant Okay, yes. Well, certainly with the dock, I mean, certainly you could try that method that you've tried on the onion weed by breaking the surface of the leaf and just wrapping your Band-Aid around it and that will probably inject its product into the the weed a little bit quicker. Okay, righto. All right. Thank you very much, Robert. Okay, it's okay. Bye. Okay, bye. Thank you, Robert. Yeah, we've been looking for um, advances in the destruction of... I mean, we we uh, had a guy last week that had a... A mechanism that he'd built yeah. that just shoved down into the ground. Yeah. So you know, people are just getting oh. tired of this horrible weed. Yeah, it's I think. good to know that the best minds in the country yes. are working on it, David. <laughs> okay, our final caller for today, David. <coughs> Excuse me, once again, it's Annette from Curry Curry. Hello, Annette. Hello, Annette. Uh, hello, David. Hello, <laughs> Phil. Uh, my question. I've got two, if you don't mind. Yes. Um, I've got. Uh, you've been talking about the chrysanthemum. Yes. To mind back but they're really gone bananas and they're really tall and lanky. Mm-hmm. Can I trim them back now? You can. I mean, normally, as we, as I said earlier, we can actually cut those back around Christmas time when they are probably at their highest. Uh, by cutting them right back to the ground around Christmas, you will actually get them coming up and forming nice strong stems ready for May. But if you wanted to do them now, Annette, yeah, that's fine. You'll just get new growth coming up. I mean, you cut them right back to the ground virtually and you'll get all nice new growth coming up from the base again. Because I actually have them in pots and I've, okay. I've done a garden which I want to shift them into. Yes. And you said to put cow manure on. So when I did, I actually bought my um, soil and cow manure for my garden and I have roses I want to put in as well. Mm-hmm. And um, I was actually said to told not to put the cow manure in near the roses because it will burn them? Oh, well, look, you certainly can use it around roses as long as you don't pile it up around the main stem of the rose. That's mainly what you've got to avoid doing because that will burn them. But certainly, look, cow manure is great around roses. They, they, you know, cow, roses need manures around them to keep them moving and keep them looking great. So roughly how much should I put of the cow manure in a patch? Okay, well, certainly About just... two metres... Um, one side and three metres by probably a metre across. All right, well, I can give you just an estimate on how what how much cow manure to put round one rose, and that's about a ha- ha- half a bucket of uh, cow manure. You could sprinkle around one rose quite easily. So how far should I keep it away from the stem? Probably just only about an inch or two away from the main stem. That's all you need to do. 
So I've got the sugar cane to go over the top. Good. Of okay, that's fine. Yes, what that's I've excellent. Noticed, since we've had the rain here lately, the last couple of weeks or so, my leaves uh, got the, the powdery mildew. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they're starting to curl up. Okay, now the powdery mildew will cause curling in the leaves, so you really do need to get in fairly quickly and spray them for the powdery mildew. And to... what's your recommendation Well, for certainly that? there are quite a few, few things on the market. Uh, rose sprays, just complete rose sprays. But I've then done you, that. Okay, we'll alternate it between just some mancozeb. So you do the mancozeb one fortnight and then you use the rose spray the next fortnight. So you're giving them a dose of everything. And I um, have a frangipani which is going along gorgeously and got new leaves all on one side. It was all over, but on one of the stems, it's starting to go black on the very tip. Okay. It may have just got burnt by probably some cold weather. Sometimes this happens, or else it may have got a little bit of fungal disease in it. So if you can actually just cut that tip off that particular branch, Annette, that may solve your problem straight away because it will heal up itself. Okay, should I spray it with anything? I don't think I'd spray it because the sap in the actual frangipani will seal the cut once you've made it. Thank you so much for your, t- your time no. and have a lovely rest of your day. Thank you very much, Annette. You Thank as well. You. Bye-bye. Thank you very much, Annette. Wow, David, so much Another page for, yeah, I know, isn't it ridiculous? We're only in spring. We haven't Mm. even got to the the rainy, humid humid weather. weather, And we've already got powdery mildew on a lot of things. Terrible. Okay. Um, Well, David, you've got to choose somebody for this fantastic plant that you're giving away and all the other stuff. Um, uh, run through the, the prize again and then tell us who the winner is. Okay. It b- consists of this beautiful new plant, which is an Iberus turbo or a candy tough turbo. So it's only a fairly new plant, brilliant white flowers, forms a little clump of colour in any sunny spot in the garden. As well as that, I've got a container of the weed blitz. That's the one we spray onto the weeds to just get rid of the weeds. And a container of the tomato plant food. That's the soluble one. And of course, this miracle apron. And it's going to to go to, of course, um, Heather from Mimmai today. So, Heather, all you really need to do is make your way into Walls End Community Nursery. And, of course, that's on the corner of Crowdus and Lake Road, Walls End. One condition is you generally have a week to come and claim that gift, but because we're not there next week, I still prefer that because I will mm. have a brand-new gift for the week after, which is, I think, about the 8th of October. That sounds about right, David. Yes. Yep. Because, of course, uh, next week being the long weekend, yep. uh, Big Shots weekend here on 2NURFM, um, no gardening talkback. You'll oh. just have to manage without David <laughs> for two weeks and, and write down all your questions and give them to us in two weeks' time. Well, David, we'll look forward to seeing you then. You will, Phil. So thank you very much and good gardening, everyone.